You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sending the Wolf podcast. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Today is a really special, it's a different kind of episode, but I'm thrilled that it's finally time to release it, and I think you guys are in for a real, real treat. Uh, Today, I am welcoming actress Lynn Shea. So Lynn, right now, is probably best known for her role as Elise in the Insidious franchise. Um, She's been with the franchise since the beginning, and now, after the last key they were four they are four movies in it's pretty amazing and um but lynn is lynn has been a character actor who who has been seen on stage and on film and on television for for decades um some of you might remember her as the teacher in a nightmare on elm street uh some of you might remember her as magda from there's something about mary which i will be completely honest with you and i tell her this or i told her this myself when i finally met her Uh, I am familiar with Lynn. I know who she is. I know her work throughout the decades, and I had no idea that she was Magda in There's Something About Mary. So in addition to speaking to her about her incredible career, Lynn is known through my group of friends as being one of the most kind, funny, hardworking, warm, wonderful human beings that you could possibly encounter. And so... When we were introduced through mutual friends, um, under the notion of recording an episode of the podcast, I was th- I was thrilled, um, and I had always heard how absolutely and truly wonderful she is. And then when I got a chance to work with her and meet her, I found that they were they were all right, um, and uh, and she is just the best. And in addition to her career, which we do talk about, she picked Sunset Boulevard, the Billy Wilder classic, which I, I think was, was such a fun choice for her to, to pick, especially because so much of what we talk about in this episode is related to one's career and being an actress and being an actress who, who ages in this business. And for Lynn, you know, in a lot of ways, the biggest role and the biggest franchise of her career came much, much later in her career, which is, you know, if you pay attention to Hollywood, pretty much unheard of. So we talk about that among so many other things. She tells some incredible stories about her family and about Wes Craven. And, um, it's just, uh, it, this is such a special, really special episode. And um, another example of, of all the things that I hoped this podcast could be. So I think you're in for a real treat. And before we get to that, just a reminder that Sending the Wolf is going to be doing a live episode. Woohoo! Uh, it's going to be the weekend of June 15th through the 17th in Atlanta, Georgia as part of the Terminus Conference and Festival. Terminus is a really cool event that I've been doing on and off for the last 
I don't know how long, decade probably. Um, and uh, and there it's it's staffed by wonderful people, but it is a um, one of a kind event bringing creatives in film and gaming together. And I think that's a really unique experience. It's something I've always been proud to participate in. And I was thrilled when they asked me to do a live show. We are currently still working on our very special guest, but if it's anything like the guests that we've had in the past, that I've worked with in the past on behalf of Terminus, it's gonna be somebody really, really fun. So if you are around, if you are in Southeast, if you're interested in attending the conference, which I highly recommend, if you are a filmmaker, if you're a fan, if you're a writer, if you're a producer, if you're an actor, um, if you're just anybody who's looking to work in entertainment and film or gaming, and let's be honest, like I said last week, they're all going to intersect anyway, um, you should come, come, it'll be a lot of fun, and you can get your badge at TerminusEvent.com, and if you use the code, which is the name of this show, Sending the Wolf, S-E-N-D. D-I-N-G, the wolf, uh, all one word. Lowercase, you get 30% off your all access badge, which is, I mean, come on, that's a ridiculous deal. And you get to come see the show. Yay. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for now. Let's go ahead and just dive in. Um, here comes my dog to jump on my computer, and here comes our episode with Lynn Shea talking about the Billy Wilder classic, Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> We've, I don't have. We come a long way. Have we backtracked? Have we gone all the way backwards? It's 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 amazing how yeah the 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 change the change in all of it and um and how much it changed and how much it doesn't change. I just had a gal on here who picked um the William Wyler movie uh last year's or best years of our lives um which is like a I don't think I've ever seen. You know I had never seen it either. And what was amazing was in with regards to this list, it's been the number thirty seven movie both times so they it meaning it changed did not change rank when they revised the list and it's one of his less well-known you know when you think of funny girl or you think of roman holiday but i say that it's about um world war ii and it's about veterans coming home and um and he was a veteran and um what was amazing, was William what, Wyler, William. the director and um what was amazing was there was it, it was as though the movie could have been written today like nothing, nothing has changed, changed. since yeah. 1947. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but and then, and then when you rewatch all of this stuff, you know, I've I've had that experience with all well, of he these. He directed Sunset Boulevard. B- Billy, Billy Wilder. Wilder. Yeah. So was William, William Wyler. A Wyler. William. Yeah. Wilder. So that's what I thought. I didn't think Billy Wilder was. And my southern accent is confusing because there's <laughs> no, a little no, no, tinge no. in there. It's like Wilder Wilder. <laughs> Um, well, this is this is the. De- I mean, it's a really simple. It's a really simple deal. We're just gonna talk. Okay, it's, I'm good. It's, I'm good, and I digress a lot. So just tell that, me if I get too off. That no, no, no such thing. Because that's the point of this podcast. Okay. It's funny, you know. It's it's um, the Thank the concept of um, picking the movie is really just a catalyst for conversation. It's not. You know, like because all of a sudden I said to you, to my, I said, "Oh my God, I feel like I'm back in film school. <laughs> I've got to go do research on." Because the other one was the same: pick a movie that you want to talk about, and then, you know, and I did. I wanted um, uh, 
if you've ever seen La Strada, I, I mean, haven't. Oh, please, it's worth ordering. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know because you know Netflix says they have it, uh -huh. but they don't. You have to order their DVD to I get see. it. I see. And then I guess I actually so, but it, it's the most beautiful film you will ever see. I'm not kidding. I'm of all the movies I've ever seen, Julietta Messina. Well, we'll talk, you know, we can talk, because that was my other one I was going to talk about. I didn't get to see it again, yeah. but I remember lots about it. it so. I'm excited to see it. It um, I, When I Googled it, when we were discussing what movie to do, it was uh, it came up with a lot of high high favor and praise. Yeah. Um, so I need well, to add it to my Fellini. list. It's Fellini, you know, Federico so. Fellini. And that was his wife. Oh, Giulietta Messina was his wife. I didn't know that. Yeah, so. Now, did you, you said you went to, did you go to film school? Um, no, I went to... Uh, well, I, I went, no, I didn't. I went to University of Michigan okay. in, in art history. And um, and then I went to, uh, I realized I always loved theater and mm -hmm. I was always in plays, but I never thought about film ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just never occurred to me. I, I loved doing live theater. And when I graduated U of M in art history, I got my first job at... Um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in the registrar's office oh. filing. Oh! <laughs> I remember I was down in the basement with Mrs. Sikowitz, who was my <laughs> my superior. She was very nice, actually. And um, it was a pretty boring, you know, it was an ent entry level job, of course, and everything. And I remember literally, I was sitting there and going, "When am I going to get to be in a play?" <laughs> and I thought, "Oh, wait a minute." <laughs> I'm not going to get to be in one unless I do something about it. So, um, so I ended up going back to um, Columbia University. Had a, a master's program. They had just started in theater arts. Mm -hmm. So I applied to Columbia and NYU and Brandeis mm -hmm. in in their master's programs, and um, I did not get into Brandeis. Okay. And I got into NYU or Columbia, and I decided to go to Columbia. So I I was in I was in theater school you know I was in sure, acting sure. it was an acting program for three years in at Columbia but it was not film mm -hmm. um you know that's a whole nother long story how I got into film which it will maybe to touch on but um uh anyway it's, well, all, it's, it's all good it's, it is good <laughs> it's all good and um well I've always heard that that saying um what is it uh tv makes you rich film makes you famous and theater makes you good I would I would agree to that, yeah, all that. I would agree with it too. But it's funny because you know, if I may, not only are you um, a very popular film actress, but your your brother is is a pretty, you know, influential it, man. Yes, Bob actually, um, he doesn't like to take credit, but he basically gave me so many opportunities. He started New Line Cinema mm -hmm. in 1968. He also is a, a graduate from Columbia Law School. He had a Fulbright scholarship to Sweden. Wow. He's really smart. And, yeah. And, uh, I mean, extraordinary. And so is my family. I think, I feel like I'm the idiot in the, in the group. Please. You know, no, wait. Hardly. I, let's give credit where credit is due. <laughs> I mean, I probably am compared to what they, but I have a different sensibility uh, than my brother, too. Very, he's a, the glass is half empty. I'm the glass is half full person. We've sure. already figured that part out. <laughs> But um, he had he actually had just come back from uh, from Sweden I think a couple of years before, and he decided to start a company. Mm -hmm. So he I, I was living with him. They called it I lived in what they called the mole hole. <laughs> he lived in a it was a five story walk up on Second Avenue and Thirteenth Street in New York. Um, the old lady with the bag lived under the stairs, and we could always smell what she was eating for dinner <laughs> when we would come home. Oh, God. And um, 
and I was sharing an apartment. Bob was with his then Swedish girlfriend, mm. Ava, who he since married mm. and has been married to for many, many years. But she was his girlfriend at the time. So it was me, Ava, uh, Bob, Ava, and me in the mole hole. And I was <laughs> like, it was a five, um, uh, a railway apartment. Uh-huh. So sure. there was their bedroom. Um, what became the office, which was the living room, uh-huh. the bathroom, the kitchen, and the mole hole. Wow. <laughs> so that was the that was the progression in the apartment. And he came home with the logo, New Line Cinema, was a name he came up with, and um, had someone do some artwork for some stationery. And that was literally how he started. He wow. brought him a box of stationery. And he decided what he wanted to do was um, he acquired three films. Mm-hmm. I can tell, I remember what they were. One was Valley, the Witch of Positano, which was <laughs> a documentary about an American street dancer in Paris. Oh, wow. Um, and a, and uh, a, a comedy piece um, from the sec- people from the Second City, Severin mm. Darden, Anthony Holland. These were like the original people that started the Second uh-huh. City. So it was an improv sure. comedy. And then a, a drama called Martyrs of Love writ, um, that was um, a filmmaker named Jan Nemec, okay. um, and who was Scandinavian, I think. I'm, I'm not sure where he's from. But that was a drama. It was also a beautiful little story, very whimsical, mm-hmm. very kind of on a La Strada kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And he his goal was to distribute to university college campuses. Okay. So he had a target of art theaters. He knew those movies would never make it, obviously, in the big theaters. So his target was universities and the art theater, like Ann Arbor had the, sure, one, the sure. one art theater. Um, and uh, so there I was in the mole hole going to school at Columbia. And... Um, and Bob, his first, actually, it wasn't until A Nightmare on Elm Street that they mm-hmm. had their first success. So that was some years later. And um, he's responsible for some of the biggest movies that we've ever been, The Lord of the Rings and yeah. all, all the Nightmare on Elm Street and um, Critters, of course, <laughs> and, and some horror films. But also he, um, uh, he, also all the early Fairley brothers. Yes. So yes. Bob would say... <laughs> unbeknownst to me at the time, hire my sister, she's an actress. <laughs> <laughs> or he'd say she thinks she's an actress. <laughs> and he would sort of deny it, but, I mean, that's how I got my part in Nightmare on Elm Street. Sure. He said to Wes, you know, please hire my sister. So he said, all right, she could be the teacher. <laughs> it's great. And I'm forever grateful to him. I mean, you know, again, we have a very volatile but loving brother-sister relationship. Yeah where I'm always afraid to ask him a question because <laughs> um, he gives me a hard time with the answer. But that's typical sibling, yes. you know, uh, behavior. And um, he's been a very important part of my life. And yeah. um, I, I can't say how much I love him enough. You that's know, sweet. He's all he's done for me and for his family and for the, for the film community. Yeah, absolutely. Are your, are your parents artists? or No. Well, here's, that's another interesting little story. My mom uh, was born in Russia. Okay. She came to Detroit when she was 13 years old. I, I still don't know why they came. Where, what was it, Detroit? There was somebody sure. that sponsored them. I think it was a relative of a relative. It's like what they do now, you mm-hmm. know, with, with, um, with immigrants coming in. You know, somebody's cousin, second cousin, who has enough money to bring the thing and get the boat passage and whatever it is. And so she came, um, she came to Detroit with her, her mother when she was 13. Um, my mother she could have been an actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, she never was. She was a housewife, mm-hmm. and she, that's what she wanted. She wanted to get married and have a family. Mm-hmm. That was her goal. 
and she didn't speak a word of English when she got here. Oh. Um, they put her in uh, with six-year-olds when she was 13 in first grade, and she, she used to tell me about that, where the desks were so small she couldn't get her legs under the desk because wow. she was 13 and all these, yeah. and going through puberty as a young girl, and you can imagine how the kind of humiliation that that can, um, that can cause someone and. She really rose right above it. She graduated high school at 17 years old, wow. speaking perfect English, never with a trace of an accent. Um, she was a very creative woman in every way, very, um, uh, very, she was a very powerful woman mm. um, in a very sweet way. Mm. But she, you know, whatever Dorothy wants, Dorothy gets, <laughs> we used to say. My father, on the other hand, um, his mother and father were born in Romania. Oh. Um, they were married by a matchmaker because my grandma had a sewing machine and my grandpa wanted to be a tailor and she was the woman in town with the sewing machine. There so, you go. And they ended up, um, I'm not sure, again, we're, we're trying to, we're just doing the 23andMe thing to, uh -huh. to, look, to look in some of the genealogy. But my father was in, he graduated law school at 21. I got, they really, these were smart people. Yeah. And um, ended up, um, he ended up in the gross, wholesale grocery business with his father and two brothers. But he, um, he started painting when he was in his 50s. And it was one of those stories where he and my mother went to the Jewish center mm -hmm. <laughs> and they got, the, they got the pad of thing with the pencils and my mother took one lesson and my father stuck with it uh -huh. and, um, and actually became a, quite a well-known Michigan artist. Wow. And his work is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of his paintings at my house and um, we... It's, we used to, it's interesting how family operates with each other. You know, we, of course, we made fun of him because, yeah, blah, 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 you know. And meanwhile, the guy was really a gifted artist. Yeah, right? And um, so I think both of my parents are were very creative, both emotionally creative mm -hmm. and an intellectually creative mm -hmm. people. And very supportive of my brother and I in terms of, you know, my mother really wanted me to get married to a nice Jewish boy and live in Detroit next door to her. Sure. But she finally realized that was probably not going to happen. And I was a good girl. I did whatever I was asked to do. Mm -hmm. I did. I was not rebellious in any way. They were, it was, they were a very kind family. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of interesting too how siblings have different uh memories of their family yes absolutely um my brother has a whole different story mm. and um and I really because I was just really thinking like what did I really mm -hmm. what it, I really loved my family my one I remember one time my mother drove away leaving me on the stairs crying because I didn't come fast enough. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but there was never any abuse of any kind mm -hmm. um not even emotionally I mean we were never really punished like in any you know, we'd be told what, if we didn't, they didn't like something. But I, I don't remember really being ever really punished. Yeah. Because um, I did what I was told and I, with no problem. And I was never asked to do unrealistic things mm -hmm. and um, that or at least that seemed unrealistic. So be, meanwhile, to digressing, but to answer your question, I think everyone in my family is a very creative person. Mm -hmm. um, that part of the brain that operates those image images of of what you, how you decorate your house, what, what you want around sure. you. Um, 
my dad was very methodical. My mother used to tease him that he would put all, line his suits up in his closet. Mm-hmm. And he went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sure. Isn't that what Einstein did? Right, he really? wore the same outfit every, <laughs> every day. day. So it's actually very smart. Right. Yes. Maybe not Maybe not exciting, but smart. <laughs> but smart. Exactly. Well, it's so... I'm um, really... So I've only been... I've, I've recorded maybe... 15 episodes of this show so far. And uh, you are the first person to not only be in one movie on one of these lists, but two. Oh my goodness. Which is, I don't know if anyone will ever break that record, but it was certainly very exciting for me uh, to realize that. The two are A Nightmare on Elm Street is on the villains list, and uh, There's Something About Mary on the comedy list. Those movies changed my life. I mean, they especially Mary, because yeah. it's the same thing. Cameron, I remember, said to me, do you think this is funny? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I said, and and I just do remember, it actually, it opened very badly. Yeah. And it wasn't until the eighth week wow. that it became number one, because people went to see it, and I, I the, one of the most fun experiences I ever had was walking into the theater, and um, nobody recognized me anyway, so I didn't care, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, and I, I thought there was thunder. I've never heard people laugh that hard in my entire career. Wow. It was, I saw a man fall out of his chair. Wow. And it is, it holds up. It's still as funny today as it was. I think it's Cameron and, and Ben's best roles of their life forever. That movie was a phenomenon. I was I was a little too young to like yeah. be allowed to see right, such a, it a PG. It, it was an it was R. A, it was well, a hard well, what, R. Was it a hard? Oh, of course yeah. it was. Of course it was. <laughs> There's what am I thinking? one scene in particular. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, the hair gel. Scene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but I remember I remember my parents seeing it and and thinking it was really funny. And I remember you know. Even though I was a little too young, people in my school, kids in my school whose parents weren't as square as mine, were right, getting right. to go see it. Right. And uh, and but it was it was truly a phenomenon. And um, I cannot imagine. And that's what's so interesting to me is the idea that you just don't know. You never know no, you don't what's going to be the thing. You really don't. And timing is, you know, going cutting to insidious the yes. last key. I am still puzzled, and I really mean this. Not not with. I'm puzzled what attraction Elise has. I mean, when I really think about it, she's not. She's certainly not attractive. <laughs> I mean, she's she's uh, she's not. There's nothing about that character in particular that really should be appealing. But what I I think is that the timing right now as well. There's something about her. There's a giving, she, that she's a giver, she's not a taker. Yeah. That I, I, I was saying this in another interview, we have the iPhone, it's all about me, mm-hmm. I, I, me, I, I, what can I have, what can I do? What, and then Elise is, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. And how can I make your life better rather than how can I make my life right. better? And there's some a simplicity and a kindness and a strength. Yes. Also, she doesn't take any she, she No, should. No, she doesn't. <laughs> and won't. And, you know, in her own way, she finds her ways to to combat that. And I think it, there's a sort of a heroic quality mm-hmm. 
to that element in an older mm. woman. You know, there was a whole thing I, that I feel like I kind of started. You know, it's funny. Helen Mirren is now in a... Yes, she is. I wonder if Winch- they're going to compare her Winche- on, to me. I have this Winchester <laughs> bag. I wondered if you were going to see it. be like, what is this weird black, black mask? Because on the- she looks exactly like the character yes. called the the the, the, uh, the, yes. the bride. Yes. The bride in black that's in the second one. Yes. I mean, it's the same. It looks exactly the same. So I... And listen, Helen Mirren is, God bless her heart, she's an phenomenon truly and one of our great actors ever um but there was some there was another article that i just got that was 2016 i think it was um and it was an ap it was an ap press um so it was in a lot of different papers someone sent it to me it was talking about ageism in hollywood talking about how once you're over 60 there's no roles and then it said in 2016 i have this actually i have i have it cut out in 2016 there were only three actresses who had lead roles Helen Mirren, Meryl Streep, and Lynn Shea. Wow. And I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> and then here we are yeah. where it's becoming a bit of a topic of conversation that, you know, I, I also have this thing where I, I hate being pinned, even a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm a person. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, Yes, I've got, you know, paraphernalia <laughs> that's feminine, <laughs> and I have a, a hormonal activity that's feminine, and, and there is a difference in estrogen and mm-hmm. testosterone. We know that. But the bottom line is, I, I prefer to remain sort of ageless and genderless. Sure. And um, because I think those are the qualities of humanity that we need to emphasize. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, to go to some of these earlier movies like we were going to talk about, yes. possibly Sunset Boulevard. Yes. You know, when you see Gloria Swanson's role of, of a woman, like what that was and what that is, compared to somebody like Elise, I mean, how do you even. You know, how do you even process what those two characters, even though they're the same gender, uh, embody? You know, for the viewer yeah. as well as for the story. Well, so many of these, so many of these filmmakers who um, are, they pay such homage to the pe- those that came before. They really have a reverence for the foundation that genre or whatever the pl- sandbox they work in was built on. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's so funny you bring up, you know, the Gloria Swanson character because I feel like Norma, if she were working just a little bit later all of her eccentricities, some director would find her and be like, we have to pick her. She, you know, this is, this is the whole point. But what you're said about ageism, I wrote that line down when uh, Joe at the very, very end says, there's nothing tragic about being 50, not unless you're trying to be 25. Right, right. We gave, we gave me goose pimples. Great line. Yeah, it is a great line. And that was 50. And look at us, look at me. I mean, I'm an old, I am, I got old. I, I mean, I can't help it. <laughs> But I, I'm, in, I really, I'm, I'm not worried about it because I don't think about myself in, in, in terms of age. I think about, you know, I, thank goodness my body is strong and works, and every I can do everything. Sure. I ride horses, and mm-hmm. I'm physically extremely active, and have done yoga all my life practically since mm-hmm. I was my 20s. That's of value to me. I, I'm not going to love the part of the parts getting old. Sure. That sucks, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's fair. And um, and you hope you've got good genetic, mm-hmm. you know, you hope you've taken good care. Everybody, really take good care of yourself. It's it, because you'll be happy later. Yes, that you that's did. right. It's an investment. <laughs> it is an investment. And I mean, gratefully, I've never been. You know, I was never a druggie. I just, sure. uh, you know, I like red wine, mm-hmm. yeah, but I am an easy drunk. I'm done after a glass and a half. <laughs> And I still tell funny stories. So, <laughs> so you're all set. So I'm all set. But um, 
it, yeah, it's really, um, it, it's not about that. I mean, of course, character, you know, you can't play a mom sure. when you're, you know, when you're 90. I sure. mean, you gotta, we got to put some perspective right. on, on what age is. But um, but just in general, I, I remember there were, um, Universal was writing some some notes about the character uh-huh. and they kept talking about uh, the, how my real age which and, and I kept saying it doesn't matter yeah and I'm not worried about you mentioning because now it's out of the bag and it's not that big of a deal um to some people it is sure I mean I've I there was one review that said yeah the old the old granny I mean it was really rude it was just a rude and I thought you mother. Mm. <laughs> I'll show you Granny. Yeah. You want to come find Granny, <laughs> exactly. baby? Yeah. Come on to my house. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how, how Granny it is over here. But. Well, I do think, though, you know, there is something to, uh, you know, about the appeal of the Elise character. What I think... Even though, especially in the U.S., we we um, value youth, we over prioritize youth. There is something to be said for when we get scared finding somebody that makes us feel safe. That's a good way to, yeah. And I feel like Elise guides confidently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. It really is. And she is a guide. And I, I what I love so much about her is that um, she does something that basically no one in horror movie does, movies do, do, does anymore. They confront, especially paranormal or supernatural, she confronts what is in front of her. Like, it makes me crazy. I'm a horror fan. You know, the posters are everywhere, and obviously Chelsea introduced us. Right. But, you know, um, it's... And I felt this way when James uh, and Lee did the first uh, Insidious film. I felt like it was a modern retelling of Poltergeist. Yes. And it, it with the exception of, in Poltergeist, um, that is uh, Joe Beth Williams' movie. Right. It is the mom's I, movie. Right, I agree. And 100%. so we switch a little bit, and I think Insidious is much more Patrick Wilson's, the first one, right? right? the father, I yes. agree. But Poltergeist is a movie where that character will not stop at Anything. anything right and that's something that i love so much about about, about these elise. movies yeah. yeah and elise has taken on that role no i think that that's true i really love this last one i mean i i think it's my favorite not just because i'm in it more sure but, yeah <laughs> which, which has some bearing on it as sure well. um it was an extremely emotional shoot i was exhausted at the end of this yeah. um because it it's got, it's also got elements of real family dysfunction yes and, and abuse, yes. child abuse, and a lot of stuff that that I think percolates through the 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 genre, mm-hmm. you know, the storytelling and the genre. But um, uh, I forgot what I was saying about <laughs> just about the fa- confronting the uh, the ghosts and the familial that, yeah, that the that the family yeah that there's something about her being able to to guide these these herself yes you you it's the first time you see elise be afraid right really afraid right you know she gets fearful when she's confronting evil sure but this is her own her, her own demons and that's that's a very powerful storyline you know we all have our we all have different demons yeah. everyone's demons are different fear i think is a fascinating emotion absolutely and i think that's the appeal of horror films also I'm not a fan of bloody, sure. bloody. It just doesn't do it for me. It makes me up. It makes me uncomfortable and not a positive yeah. way. Um, I just watched a little short someone sent me, and it is, it's so gruesome. Mm. It's gruesome, but it's not. It, but that's it. Yeah. It's just gruesome. But I feel like that these stories are more about that 
the idea of being in a theater. I love the idea too, and I felt this when we when we when I saw the screening yeah. of the, of the fourth one with a group of people because yeah. I'd never seen the whole thing. But like everybody in that tittering, you're everybody's afraid in their own way, but we're all together having that right. experience, and it's a very safe talk about safety. Mm-hmm. You feel very safe, supported, and giddy almost because fear turns into laughter too, yes. and you see people laughing uncomfortably, and then you get the yeah. the shock, and it, it's both it, it's exhilarating. Yeah. So. Um, uh, anyway, I, I feel like this one has a, a certain element of it's got a lot of comedy in it too, which is interesting, which parallels the the scary parts. Yes, and um, I I mean I I just I'm I'm so happy to be the the courier <laughs> of this particular um, you know of this of, of this particular film and and to make people feel the way they do when they come out of it. It's such a great it's such a great franchise. I really love the franchise so much and um and to your point about, you know, not liking the gruesome stuff. I I totally get that. And I think that what when it comes down to is when you when you watch brut- you know things that are so brutal and and um you know visceral, uh it's you know, I Wes, I think Wes Craven, um, who was my favorite of the auteurs, um horror auteurs, um Agreed. He, he always there was always purpose. Yeah. It was all it was never casual violence. Right. You know, it right. was it was always very, very purposeful. And I think and he did, you know, some things that were more cerebral and less about the blood and the guts, and then some things that were, you know, to use the the subgenre slasher movies. Right. Um, but they always had something to say. They always had something very uh adult to say. He was I mean, he was one of the he was a very profound man. Yes. You know, he was a phenomenal classical guitarist. Really? Well. Yeah, and he was, I, I believe, I think I'm right about that, um, but I know he was a uh, real historian, too. He, he mm-hmm. was a really smart, gentle, one of the gentlest yeah. guys, You especially even when he directed. He always had rosy cheeks, and he was always bemused. Um, I had a very fun moment with him, actually, Um I think it was, well, it was after I did The First Nightmare on Elm Street. He directed an episode of um, uh, the the new Twilight Zone, okay. which isn't new anymore, but it was the, the you know, it was after Rod sure. Serling's Twilight Zone. And um, he brought me into audition, and it, I was supposed to be sort of an alien, kind of an but also this woman who wanted to be let out. It was this kind of very sympathetic mm. um kind of robotic woman who, who who you find out is a sort of robotic, but she presents herself very human. And um, it was an emo- kind of an emotional scene of please let me out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I got quite emotional in the audition. I won't tell you who the casting director was. <laughs> and um, so we finished the audition, and, he, and the casting director, he says, he says um, so could you do it a little less sappy? Ugh. And I gave him the finger. <gasps> yes! <laughs> And Wes, yes. and Wes was in the room. And I mean, I didn't, believe me, I didn't think. I just like flipped him off. Uh-huh. And Wes was in the back of the room and he just looked at me and he kind of just went like this. <laughs> and I knew I got the job. Yes. <laughs> so great. So he was, he was truly supportive. He loved actors. Um, everyone loved Wes. I mean, he really was a, a true gentleman and a gentle man. Yeah. And um, I think what you're right is saying there was such an, a, a sophistication mm-hmm. and intelligence underneath the blood and gore. Right. I mean, look at the character of Freddy Krueger. What a brilliant, mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant character. 
And um, so we'll all miss Wes forever. But I, I agree. If there's no no substance, you know, in it, it's it's just not for me. And a lot of people love it. I mean, a lot of people in the horror yeah. community, that's their thing. More skulls and blood and yeah. rip off the arms and eat it and... <laughs> It's, it's a little. It's, it's, just, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot, lot to take in. Well, yeah, and it is. It is, and and we, we will get to we will get to Sunset Boulevard. But um, the 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 thing that I was thinking was you know with Saw specifically, um, which I think is a great a great film. Um, it's so funny people remember it as so much more brutal and violent than it actually was. I think you're right because it's it's kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's you see very little of the actual violence. Right. So it's, much of it is implied. Yep, it's all psychological. And the way that uh, James, or post-production rather, and the editing of Saw is so fast. Like, that's such a weird detail that nobody would remember unless well, they'd I, seen I it recently. But it's this fast cuts and really loud assaulting sounds. And so it feels so much more um, frantic uh, but that said, the, it's it's probably it's a, probably a great filmmaking trick because there was no way they could do anything. They had a room, you know. How do you like make right. a room right. compelling and interesting? And so, anyway, though, I say that to say that it's funny that um, James and Saw get lumped in with that uh, quote unquote torture porn, torture porn thing right. um, because because truly there's there's so little that you actually see. And in it that stimulated movie. the brain and, right. and the viewer to such a point that you feel like you're seeing something dirty and yes. <laughs> dirty and bloody. And that's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah, it's true. That's well, that's what Hitchcock's wasn't that also that he yes. had very little violence on screen and some of the scariest stuff you will ever see ever still. Psycho. Yep. That that shower scene, no one has ever touched it in yeah. my opinion. Really. I agree. I it agree. still scares me to pieces. <laughs> and okay, so speaking of classic Hollywood with Sunset Boulevard, um I I wanted to ask, you know, so when I, I did go to film school, and uh, but when I was in film school, I it was this crop of professors who I think were probably the first generation that had gone to film school when film school was not necessarily respected, but it was considered, okay, film is an art form, right. right? Because I think that's something that a lot of people miss is that for a very long time, film and film criticism was not actually considered real art. It right. was like theater is art and music is art, right. but right. movies are just whatever they are. Right. And so my film professors really focused on international cinema and foreign cinema. So, um, because I'm willing to bet, I don't know this, but this is my hypothesis, that they were forced to learn only American film. So the Billy Wilders and the William Wilders and Cecil B. DeMille and etc. So as a reality, Action, I don't think they taught that to us on purpose. Oh, that's interesting. And so I never, I know in none of my film school did anyone ever show us a Billy Wilder movie. Oh my God. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And I that, am so. he's really. He, he's one of a kind. I truly, I rewatching this movie, you know, it's. Something that I like about doing this show is that we, you know, I bring, I invite people who, you know, wouldn't necessarily be invited to weigh in on the list. Right. And get their perspective on what we consider, what we as a society have decided this is a classic, right? right? right. And um, sometimes it feels like you're doing homework when you go back and watch the, okay, I have to eat my vegetables kind of thing. Um, but Billy Wilder and Sunset Boulevard specifically, to me, 
it, it's just still so entertaining, well-written, modern, it, it, incredible performances. Like it feels like such a savvy film even now, however many decades yeah, later. I agree, and it's so beautiful. I mean, the it's really... Talk about using black and white. And, yes. I mean, and with, with her. You know what, was, what I had forgotten when I rewatched it? I forgot that she actually goes to the set to see yes. Cecil B. DeMille. Yes. Because I, there was, because she's so isol she isolates herself right. and in the mansion you know you you the world becomes the world of the mansion and you feel like she never gets out of there which she really never does mm -hmm. even though she goes to the movie set exactly and i thought that was that really made me think about what a genius story it is too because her claustrophobia mm -hmm. um it, it, it never she's already become that that brittle Yes, you know, doll basically, yeah. and that even if it moves to a new new place, she's never really out of that mansion. Yeah. she's never out of that place. Well, bringing her, she's flanked at all times yeah. by Max yeah. and then Joe, and even even the car. The car is oh, a is point. a structure uh, in and of itself that is just this thing that nobody can quite believe. So much that that's why they want to rent it from her. I mean, it really is kind of amazing how it's like her old. Um, dilapidated, you know, unique living space, but condensed into an automobile, right, right. and it, she's always protected. Yeah, that's right. I never thought about it like that. That's a great. That's a great way to describe it. He, it's um, that scene with Cecil B. DeMille is is some really great stuff. Yeah, yeah. It is some really great stuff, and it's so. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking to to see the way that he wants to protect her, but no one can quite be honest with her, which is such an L.A., like such a Hollywood tale of we have to protect everyone's very fragile ego at all times. And if, maybe if, I mean, I don't know. I would be curious your thoughts on this because I feel like even if somebody had been honest with, maybe if somebody had been honest with her and said, this is the current situation, she could have pivoted and done something about it. Meaning, meaning we're going to be honest with you, the fan letters aren't real. I don't think she could have handled it. You don't it. think no, so? No, I think at that point already she had built her world and if she didn't protect the world, she would crumble, yeah. which is what happens. But I think she was so far into... Her, the imagery of her own success at that I, I don't think she could have handled mm. it I don't think she could have made the transition yeah. is what I mean yeah it probably was too far gone and the fact that she hooked into you know to Joe even is is the fact that she found this young gentleman you know that she it, she let something new into her life right which was as much as she could handle and then she could she had to suffocate it that's a good point yeah she had to take him into her world she couldn't move out into right. his at all how interesting it is and it, it's there's so many questions that i had when you know it, it's this is a very, very Hollywood story. For instance, like when she rents the orchestra to just play for them right. at uh, New Year's Eve. What I was thinking was, I feel like I have taken jobs before where I'm the guy in the orchestra. Where you're just like, well, because you think about, think about them. They're just sitting here in this crazy house. It's New Year's Eve. They're playing for no one. And they go, well, I, I'll cash my check. And then, yeah, sure. You wonder what they would be, what they would be thinking. Yeah. And probably, because she had enough, she had money. Yes, I mean, she, she did, had yeah. enough money. So they probably, I, I think it is that sort of bemused thing. It's a gig. Exactly. You know, we got a gig. There, there was this. <laughs> Sorry, no, go ahead. No, that's all. And she's paying us, you know, we should, we're going to get paid. And, 
And who knows, maybe they come every New Year's. Yeah. And just she dances by herself or dances with Max, you know. It, it sort of leaves you also wondering her life before Joe gets there. Right. You know, like how isolated and repetitious and 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 uncomfortable. I mean, look at him. He's as bad off. He, Max is as bad as she is. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's as delusional. He he's and it's even worse because he sees the he sees the delusion. That's right. That's right. And can't and will never leave it. Yeah. So it, it's a really it is just a heartbreaking study of psychosis, yeah. you know, of of being of buying your own image, buying into your own imagery. I think that's as an actress what thrills me is to break because I don't really feel I have a very strong image mm -hmm. to be 100%. Don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> Just between us. <laughs> Just between us. But, <laughs> but there, there's something. But I think if you buy into it, and really she was buying into a character, not even to herself. Right, right. So that even makes it more heartbreaking that you, you know, it would be like me becoming Mrs. Dumars in, right. in Kingpin. I got to be her. Yes. Yeah. Oh you know, God. I mean, because you have no identity that you can that, that you can live with other than what someone has created for you. Yeah. There's that one scene I, I can't, in the very beginning. I, I I tried to take notes when I watched it again, but I got so involved I forgot to do it. Enjoy the movie, really, really. But she's peeking through the blinds. Mm -hmm. It's just these two eyes, and the way the keyhole when she locks the, closes the door, and you just see the light go out through the keyhole. Yeah. His, some of his shots are so beautiful and so appropriate to that peeping out, you know, of what this woman is, what her soul is doing. Yeah. Her soul is is peeking out here and the light is going off through the keyhole. I mean, there's all these very poetic moments that that exemplify her, her pain and her isolation. Uh, it's really an extraordinary piece of art, the, the film. Yeah, it's like the opposite of voyeurism. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's a really good way to put it, that she's the voyeur seeing us. But looking out into, into the, world, the world as opposed to, the, right. yeah, what and, you and, think. And that she, yeah, and her world is very circumscribed. I mean, she can only, she can only take peeking out, yeah. really, when you think about it. And, and that's why I sort of forgot what, that she actually goes out into the world because mm -hmm. I didn't feel like she would ever, ever, ever go anywhere yeah. and had the, would have the courage. But somehow it works for the movie too because I think that discomfort we feel is is appropriate for the way she, she is feeling yeah. and who she is. And it's so sad too because she, when she does go, there's a line, she has a line where she says something like, um, I don't care about the money, I just want to work. How many of us have said that? I mean, that is the... <laughs> I, don't care. My age is, I don't care about the money. That's, I just want to work. It's true, How though. How many different ways can you say it? I, yeah, and it's just, it's so, it's so uh, terribly honest. Yeah. Um, it might be one of the most honest things that she says in the whole, in in the the whole, whole movie, thing. I agree. You know? That's a very good point. Yep. It's, yeah. Because it, it, that's her being at the most vulnerable she could possibly be. Right. Is to say that. And to him in that atmosphere. It's so horrible. It's just like, re, it's such a, it's such a brutal scene when you think about it. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think it's, it's possible for us to feel empathetic or sympathetic for her, but also to kind of realize that she's in a prison of her own making. Right, right. And that makes it 
it, it's a this very fine line with her. She Gloria Swanson is so good in this yeah, movie. She is. It's it, really an extraordinary performance. It it truly is. But it's hard to necessarily think of her as a villain. But she's not. You know. It's and we always speak in such binary terms anyway. But there's. You want to feel for her, but then she makes it so hard for you to feel for her. Very interesting and perspective. Oof, yeah. It's brutal. But I also, did you notice this time around, because I certainly did, uh, Betty. Betty was the screenwriter, the girl who was the reader. Oh, that's and right. She you know, it's funny. I totally forgot about her for a minute. Yeah. Well, I always, I mean, <laughs> I always forget about her, right, too. Really? I mean, I, even having just seen it, yes. she totally disappeared in the movie for me. Yes. It was just Joe and her and Max. That right. That was, was all I really remembered for the moment. Yeah. But yes, I do remember Betty. <laughs> this time around, I she stood out to me so much because... We think about, it's like we see this young woman uh, who has no interest in being in front of the camera, and obviously she tells that story about her nose and being a kid and all that stuff, but she has some lines in this movie that I just was blown away that they were, again, decades earlier, when she's talking to Joe about their script, and she says, um, and he says, oh, well, thanks for taking such an interest in my career, and she says, I don't care about your career, this is about, about me. my career. That's right. right. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, my God, God. Yeah, you know? this was 1940, what is it, 40, like 1950, no, it's 50. It might have been 1950, yeah. 1950? 1950, that was it. Um, I wrote that down because it, I thought this was so strange, so I am a big Billy Wilder fan, and uh, The Apartment is one of my oh, favorite so, oh, movies of all time. And uh, the 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 man, uh, the boss in The Apartment, who is having the affair with, with um, Shirley MacLaine, his name is Mr. Sheldrake. And I don't she, remember that. You know, I, I'd have to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, but Sheldrake is a character in this movie. Sheldrick is? Yeah. It's just the weirdest. I, I don't know why they have the same name. name is. Yeah. But it, yeah, it must have some significance somewhere. For, for, I'm sure you're right. I, I mean, because why, why would you do that? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Betty, um, the purpose she serves is to kind of put us into the real world. Right. Um, and show, the, and, you know, which is, of course, this major contrast. And and the norm the normalcy of a of a woman who has a who has a, who has a career yeah and who wants her career she, in a weird way she parallels mm-hmm. um she 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 parallels Gl- Gloria Swanson's mm-hmm. character what was the character's name Norma Norma yeah Norma how could Norma I Desmond Norma Desmond how could I forget that for a moment here I got <laughs> I got carried away <laughs> it's a there's a lot to get lost in <laughs> but the, 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 the they are the you know the only two other they're the only two women yes. in the film yeah. and so you do make some comparison of of their behavior and what they want and what how they go about getting what they mm-hmm. want and um which is a really good foil also for Norma, mm-hmm. you know, to, when you, as a viewer, you go, it, it amplifies her, her craziness, right. her, her obsession. I even hate to say crazy because she yeah. wasn't crazy. She was obsessed yeah. with, with, with fame and with wanting to stay young. Mm. It's, um, do you think, so I, I, when I rewatched, I, I really, I was curious to ask, why do you think that Joe chooses to stay with her, with Norma? So you remember, like she, you know, she, she it's uh, he goes up there. He's an opportunist. I mean, that must be yeah. it, right? No, I mean he's that also an it. opportunist because, because you know, he looks it over and says, "Hey, it's better than my apartment on Ivar and Franklin." Sure, you know what she. T- I love when he says that. I have a little, uh, you know, and that this woman is basically going to keep him. Mm-hmm. And I think he, with all his good intentions, in some respects, 
yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, he's just an opportunist. And it's, it's, I, this is and a, uses her. Well, and it's sense. a, it's a relationship that we don't see because it's an older woman and a younger man. I feel like we don't see this dynamic played out as much, um, in pop culture. Um, but, uh, but good observation. It's, that's really smart. Well, be, and I think that's kind of why it feels a different kind of unsettling, you know, cause when we see an older man pursuing a younger girl and keeping a younger girl, right, right, it, right. It, it says different things, right. but and then I started quite, and this is, this is not a judgment on anyone who might be in real life in this sort of a dynamic, but in this case with Joe, like Joe choosing to be in a romantic dynamic with her, because at first you can tell that he's kind of like, no, but then he goes up to console her mm-hmm. and stays in the, I mean, it's a romantic gesture. You think that they're going to seal the deal essentially Um, I don't think they do though you don't think so no even in the scene where she's like oh I'm gonna I'm just I'm the worst and and she's laying in the bed and he kind of is like come over I don't I don't think he really I I don't know I never I I think I didn't think that interesting I don't think he would I just don't think he as much of an opportunist as he is I don't think he was I don't think she appealed to him on that level. I don't think I she. Mean, I don't think she did either. And, and I think that he, if anything, he held her and consoled her, mm. and all she wanted to do was really be pet. She didn't really oh, want to be. That's interesting. Didn't want to be invaded. I don't know if she'd even huh. want sex. You know that that's that's beyond. That, that's it's that's too um, too intimate right? maybe not intimate. It's too um, mundane. It's too. Oh. It's not. It's not spiritually. And uh, uh, glamour-wise, it's there's something. That, it's the hunt that's the most glamorous. That's how my feeling is yeah. that is the other would be way too physical. There'd be a mess mm. of some sort. The sheets would be getting You know that she would think about that. Yeah, that you're messing my bed, kind of thing. I, you're probably right. Yeah, so I would think more. It's for her. It was about being stroked and being coddled and being told how beautiful she is that's all that's what she lived for wow because that's that also fulfills her dream of 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 her image yeah huh that's a it's a wow I mean, it's so, and perhaps it's uh, maybe also, I'm wrong. No, <laughs> I think that that's a really great reading of it. Um, and uh, and I think you know, but also it's it's could be, I can't I couldn't maybe couldn't put myself I don't know but that's yeah Joe Joe fascinated me throughout the and whole thing and he cared for her I mean it's, I honestly think too, too you grow to care for people that you take advantage of yeah mm. because you also need them right you need them because you need them to take advantage of mm. and um so there definitely was I mean I think that's one of the brilliance of the relationship that we see grow and we 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 see un, you know unfold and also cr- creates more of the of the the pathos of mm-hmm. you know it never really it will never be what she hopes it will be right and he has to back off too because i think it is i think it's very powerful when people are being both you that you become both a user and a you and used at the same time the codependent yeah? um yeah. yeah and that's kind of where they i think where their relationship sort of solidifies mm-hmm do you think um, uh, so? As we as we wind down, um, because you've been very generous with your time, oh, and I don't I want to talk a lot. I, no, do not apologize. <laughs> right. I I could I could keep going. Um, but I so I wanted to ask. You know, I I ask 
um, everybody uh, if they have a movie that they would want to add to any of these lists. So, of course, there's something about Mary is on the laughs list, right. and then Nightmare on Elm Street is on the villains list. Um, I don't know. I think we should add Elise to the heroes list. Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> but I, do you have one? That, that I've done that I've actually been in? Or, or? just one in general as a... As a as a, a consumer of, of I had that movie La Strada that yeah. I was trying to find, and um, which was, I think, shot in 19... F- that's also probably 50s, early 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Federico Fellini. It's one of the most beautiful, obtuse love stories. Mm-hmm. That it, it's, the mo- it's one of the most heartbreaking films I've ever seen. Anthony Quinn... Play Zampano. He he's it's 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 in uh, is the film the film is in English or it might be in it's in Italian. Okay, but there's there's definitely subtitles. But he plays this this carnival bully basically, and um, uh, Giulietta Messina, who is actually Federico Fellini's real wife, mm-hmm. has a face that is unparalleled in in I think in film history. Mm. She's, it makes me cry to even think about her. Um, And she is his, she does what he tells her. She's the, she's the, I will do whatever you say. I I can't, I I tried to get the film to watch it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get it. And so I'm, it's not fresh in my head in terms of discussing details. But the overall atmosphere of, a, a woman in her life, and she you, you find out more about her as well in the film. She falls in love with um, this Richard Basehart, who is an American actor, mm. is in this film as well. And he plays, I think it's called The Fool, and he plays this little tiny violin, <laughs> little tiny. He's like, a, all, they're all carnival people. Okay. And it, I, I just, there's tr- there's tremendous tragedy, tremendous... Simpatico is mm. the is the the real the real definition of what that word makes you think of. Um, it's one of the most beautiful love stories I've ever seen. Mm. That's that's all I that that's the impression it overall left with me. I wish I could be more articulate about it because I again it's been a long time since I've seen it. But that's always the first film that comes off my tongue when people ask me my favorite movie. That's great. It's just really so. If none of you have ever seen it, it's it's definitely a classic. And so worth so worth checking out to find it. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I look forward. Oh. I'm going to see it. Oh. Uh, I'll definitely look for it and and track it down. And um, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you one more question, especially as a um, theater a fan of theater. Um, do you have you ever seen the musical Sunset Boulevard? No. The because no. so I know Glenn Close originated it in London, and it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes. And allegedly, they're going to make a movie of the musical with Glenn Close. Oh, I didn't know that. So, I mean, you know, they, they announce things all the time right, and then right. it never happens. Um, but uh, I I just, I don't know. I, I find it, I, I think, I, I could very much imagine that this movie lends itself to a musical in that way, but maybe I don't know. But if you, she's a tremendous. She's a, a very. She's a tremendous actress at also stylization. Mm. Um, she's Juilliard graduate, I believe. I worked with her years ago mm. in New York in a film uh, in a play called The Crazy Locomotive, huh. which is kind of a long story, uh, all on its own. Um, Des Mackinoff directed it. Um, 
and it was a very stylized piece. Um, she's a tr- she's really a tremendous talent, and she's also a fantastic singer. Mm. Um, and I actually think she would just be fantastic in the role. Um, it's funny, I had a dream about her not very long ago, I'm just thinking. Hmm. I, I very much looked up to her. Um, I mean, we're age-wise, we're similar. I'm probably a little bit older than her. Um, but I really was... She She's a very powerful, powerful actress mm-hmm. and uh, very, very smart. And I think she'd be really... You know, she's done some great... She's done some great musicals. She was in Barnum, She, I think. She played... Mm. She's done a lot of Broadway... Uh, a lot of new Broadway musicals mm-hmm. as well. She's got a phenomenal voice. So I'm, I think she'd be... I haven't seen her in anything for a long time. She lives, I know, in Connecticut, and she's got family, and she, she rides. She's got horses, and mm. she's, a, she's a, an upscale Connecticut girl. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're lucky enough to be it, enjoy it. Yes. I, I, hey, I'm not mad at that. Well, I, no, no, I know, but I'm, I'm not saying it in a snotty way. Oh, I'm no. saying it in an appreciative way. And a, a, a terrific, really terrific actress who's... Yeah. Um, a really hard worker. Mm-hmm. So I think she'd be perfect. Well, if the movie ever gets made, I'll call you. Okay. We'll go see it. I don't think there's a part for me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll go see it as fans. All right, that and, would be good. And then we'll we'll record a little mini episode talking about it. That would be that would be awesome. You've been delightful. Oh. I really and you also your knowledge of film and understanding of story and the process is really is beautiful so congratulations well thank you you. thank you and this is a a real real treat i am so thrilled to have you and to have had you in my kitchen i was a little nervous you should see how cute her kitchen is it makes me feel like my i really do it makes me the layout is like my little apartment i had on perry street in new york and um there's it's it's wonderful it's cozy and smart and she's got a picture with goldfish on it that i really like a a picture meaning like a pouring picture not a picture a picture and the cutest dog ever oh well i'll take it that seems like a good a place as any to to call it a day lynn thank you so much this was lovely clark i really appreciate it Alrighty, friends, that's going to do it for us today. How great and wonderful and amazing is Lynn Shay? I, I just, I wish, I wish I could see her every single day and talk to her every single day. She is just the absolute best and one of the most sincere and kind and endearing and funny and charming and smart and passionate, wonderful people ever. It's a lot of adjectives, but they're all true. Um, All right. And oh, so if you enjoyed this episode today, uh, you are for sure not going to want to miss the mini uh, episode, which goes up on Patreon on Thursday for $5 and up subscribers uh, at the monthly level. You guys, she tells a story about the Farrelly brothers and about her process of auditioning. She had to audition. I found this shocking maybe it's just I don't know maybe it's because I'm a spoiled millennial but every single Farrelly Brothers movie she did from uh there's from let's see it started with Dumb and Dumber to Kingpin to uh there's something about Mary and I want to say there's another one but either way every single movie that she did she has a memorable almost iconic role and she had to audition 
every single time. Can you imagine like at that point, don't you just go, you know what, Lynn, we know you got it. Um, anyway, that's the mini that's coming out on Thursday. If you're interested in giving a listen, visit patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. Uh, it's for $5 and higher monthly subscribers. Um, and uh, it's you, you don't want to miss it. It's really, really fun. And thank you, as always, for listening. If you uh, like this episode and you like this show, and you like the kind of guests that we've had uh, so far and hopefully can will continue to have, please uh, go on your podcast app of choice and subscribe, rate, review the show, tell your friends about it, share it um, so that other people can find it too. I will see you all on Thursday. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs>